Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, that's my wife Kay, a musical theater Where nerd. Where the spo- skeletons hanging and spoopy folks saying that Halloween's here. And I'm Warren, a musically challenged and confused. It's the most wonderful time. Pretty sure we're over it's the copyright the now. It's the most spoopiest time. Also, it's October 2nd. It's the most scariest time of the year. Uh, hun? It's spoopy month! Spoopy month! Yay! So... Yeah, it, it's like my favorite time of the year because Halloween, but also uh, we're, we're going to start out Spoopy Month with a Frank Wildhorn classic. So Frank Wildhorn is um, a porn star. We covered this. No, not a porn star. <laughs> so Frank Wildhorn is well known for like Scarlet Pimpernel and stuff, which actually was the one that I wanted to start us out with for him, but I couldn't find an English version of it. Um, and, like, I do eventually want to cover the translations of his shows, because his shows have been translated a lot, but... So that horn gets around a lot? That horn gets around a lot, and we'll talk about it later with this show, too, but I kind of wanted whenever possible to introduce you to the English version first. I appreciate that, being that I am of English descent and only know but one language. Yeah, so uh, the one that we're going to start off with is Jekyll and Hyde. I'm excited. It's very spoopy for the spoopiest of months. So um, this is going to be very loosely based on Robert Louis Stevenson's novel, um, which is fine, because I only read the abridged version when I was a kid, because I'm like that. I want to say it was the Wishbone version. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's totally fine with me. I don't, I mean, because I know that there's been a lot of different adaptations of the source material, so yeah. not being based on the, you know, original material, well, I guess based on the original material, but not, uh... Faithful to faithful it. Faithful is totally fine with me. I mean, yeah, I know kind of the, the general Jekyll and Hyde, uh... Yeah, Sorry. yeah, and it, it does a really good job keeping kind of the themes of it in there, I feel like. But I also am biased because A, musical, B, Frank Wildhorn, so. Kay likes that Wildhorn. I do like that Wildhorn. Um, so, like I said, Frank Wildhorn composed this, and the book is by Leslie Bercuse, and uh, lyrics are by... Frank Wildhorn, Leslie Bercuse, and Steve Cooden. It first premiered in Texas in 1990, in Houston, and then it had its national tour, and then a Broadway premiere in 1997. 
So this is kind of an example of how not all shows start out on Broadway, as we've seen before. Um, Good point. So it was first conceived by Wildhorn and Cooden in 1986, and they recorded a demo recording, but they weren't able to finance it to take it to Broadway yet. Uh, they did record a version with Colm Wilkinson, who's famous for being Jean Valjean, and Linda Etter, and Linda and Lisa Carew, not Linda Carew, uh, before they reworked the musical with Bercuse and then uh, premiered it in Houston at the Alley Theater. The run began in May of 1990, and it was so well received that they had to extend it twice. Nice. So it closed in July of that year. And most regional shows do not have two-month-long runs. So there you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the This version starred Chuck Wagner as Jekyll and Hyde, Linda Etter as Lucy Harris, and Rebecca Spencer as Lisa Carew, um, who... Why did I put Lisa Carew up here? Good lord. This is why I don't write scripts without more coffee. Because <laughs> Linda Etter is a person Lisa Carew is not. <laughs> so scrap what I said about the friggin' demo recording. Good lord. Linda Etter as Lisa Carew. Um, so uh, Lisa Carew would later be renamed to Emma Carew. Okay. And um, you'll you'll see in the musical, but Emma is Jekyll's fiance. Okay, I was gonna I was gonna ask if that was mm-hmm. the love interest. Yes. Well. Yes, but it, we'll see. We'll see. So <laughs> the show returned to Houston in 1995 at the Theater Under the Stars, and then it was performed in Seattle after that. And because those two were successful, they did a tour starting in Dallas in August of 1995, and then it ended in Baltimore in 1996. And the success meant that it was Broadway brand, yeah, Broadway bound. Baka baka ba. That sounds like a song. Broadway bound. Coming out of a small town, but we're Broadway bound. See? <laughs> so. Good Lord. I, for those who don't know, I am a contralto, so that is why it's all low singing from me. <laughs> and beautiful. Aw, thanks. So, um, it opened officially in April of 1997 after previews in March of that year. And this version, uh, had the return of Lisa Etter, and it was the Plymouth Theater's ro- longest-running show. It ran from 1997 to 2001 for a total of 1,543 performances. Damn! Yeah. This will be important later. <laughs> I'll, I'll oh. let you know in a sec. Oh, 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 oh. So this is where the Hoff comes in. <laughs> he, was, he was in the last... Uh, couple of months of the show and was the last Jekyll and Hyde. Hey, you don't tell the Hoff when to come in. The Hoff comes in whenever he wants. (laughs) So he performed as Jekyll and Hyde from October 27th of 2000 to the show's close on uh, January 7th of 2001. And this is the version the version we'll be watching on DVD. Oh, sweet. Yeah, Um, because it was recorded for DVD. Uh, and I believe it was released later in 2001. 
so okay uh so this is a a recorded theater version like yes. on stage cool see see it's not that hard to do that just yeah freaking do it yeah just just please. theater producers pretty please for people like us or like we were talking about with uh your dad how we wish that they could do vr so that you like once vr gets oh yeah more accessible have that be a way for people to like get a vr ticket to go see a broadway show so that people like us that can't afford going all the way to new york or people who can't leave the house for whatever reason like can just watch it just that the future is here people the future is here so anyway back to jekyll and hyde um since the close on broadway there have been three national tours and a uk national tour um, the third American national tour is notable because they revamped the score and it was sort of a precursor to the Broadway revival in 2013. Now, this was a short run on Broadway. It was only from April to May, but it was kind of planned a little bit like they knew it was going to be a short run. It was only 29 performances. Okay. Um, but this show's been translated for over 20 international productions. Yikes. And it had um, a notable concert tour in America and South Korea. It's been licensed for non-professional productions since 2001. And there was a planned film production that would be kind of like uh, the Rent 2005 version or Hairspray, things like that, um, in 2013. But it's in production hell. Uh, it was supposed to have been released in 2015, but the original production company, RP Media's attempt fell through. So it's been picked up by Lexicon and Bluestone Entertainment as of earlier this year, 2019 for future listeners. So we'll see. Um, back to the long run, just because it had a long run, as we saw with Spider-Man, doesn't mean it was successful. Okay. It didn't yeah. have stellar reviews, even though it's a good show. It didn't have, like, this is groundbreaking and everyone must see it. And so it ended in the red. Oh. Yeah, it didn't lose the money that the Spider-Man musical lost, but it still didn't make money. So, um... That's crazy that it could have so much success prior and then mm -hmm. just fall flat on its face once it got to Broadway. Yeah, and that, that happens, and there have been issues where... A lot of shows don't end up in the black because people aren't going to see theater shows or, I mean, uh, when we cover Forbidden Broadway, they talk about it quite a bit, but people, there, there are spurts where people just will not go see shows in a theater. And I wonder if it's economically related. It probably is because, um, I mean, there we didn't have the crash yet at this time. Gotcha. But, you know, it, it, it still can be economically related. Um, it just, it didn't do well, and that happens on Broadway. Some shows will still, they'll, they'll run for a long time, but not make any money back, so. That's the way the shoe dances? Sure. I, I was going to say that's the way the cookie crumbles, but I was trying to think of a of a way that it would appeal more to uh, 
theater and uh well once hot and bothered is finished huh. that's the way the cookie crumbles will yeah work, there you go so. it's gonna be like t-shirts everywhere yes yeah. it will hot and bothered is gonna be the next big thing it'll it'll be your breakout success <laughs> so <laughs> back to jekyll and hyde again um it was nominated for four tonys but it didn't win any oh yeah um, but Linda Etter did win the Theater World Award for the musical, and uh, then the original Jekyll and Hyde from Broadway, Robert Cuccioli, was able to win the Drama Desk, Outer Critics Circle, and Joseph Jefferson Awards for his portrayal. So uh, actors in the show won awards, but the show yeah. itself didn't win any awards. Yeah, and... Is that common? Yeah. It can happen. I mean, not everybody win. I mean, there's only one best musical in the Tonys, so... Oh, that's that's fair. It's just kind of like Black Panther didn't win best best movie, and I don't think it was even nominated, but they did nominate for best actor, best so-and-so. Gotcha. Black Panther should have won. Or Black Klansman should have won. Either one of those should... I digress. This isn't it. Reel it in, History of... Movies, podcast, it's musical theater. <laughs> if there's ever a Black Panther musical, we'll review it. Um, <laughs> oh. oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm, that would be fun. So, anyway, um, the music in this is some of my favorite music. Um, I actually re-listened to it at work the other day. I haven't actually been able to see an entire production of this before. I've just seen oh, snippets on YouTube. Okay, so this will be the first time you've seen the whole production. Yes, but I have listened to it many a time okay. because I really like the music, and I got a little sad at work listening to it because I'm like, oh, this hurts. Now, but it's good, but I'm, it hurts. I'm fairly certain I know the uh, the answer, but I, I can't remember because it's been a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Jekyll is the good one. Hyde is the bad one, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's a case of self-experimentation gone very, yeah. very wrong. And if I remember correctly, it was like he creates... I don't remember what the elixir was he creates, but it makes him... Like, it makes, like, the good side better and then the bad side worse. But then, yes. like, rather than being a balance of both, it completely makes you either one or the other kind of thing. Yeah. And they talk about what he was trying to do with it in the musical holy shit my brain just made two two brain cells floating around in the void of my skull <laughs> bumped into each other and had a brief conversation and i just realized that the nutty professor is like a modern jekyll and hyde but without the murderous side yep as is bruce banner in a way uh well it, it, with the more modern stuff where it's like, oh, he was trying to recreate the super soldier serum and then he got irradiated. and Except the Hulk is like a roided out four-year-old. Yes, because Bruce Banner's backstory is incredibly tragic. And Hyde is like, isn't Hyde, because Hyde's not like a beast or anything. He's just he fucking is, evil. He is lust and murder and rage. And that comes out. But he's in the he's musical. like, but he can talk and oh, yeah. he's coherent. He's, he's, he's coherent. Not, he's not he's... like a Hulk monster. No, he's just no. Running around killing and raping. Yeah. Well, except he is running around killing and raping. Yeah, he. Because Hulk does not rape. 
Hyde does. I'm glad, uh, the, I'm glad we cleared that up. There's the crowbar separation between the two. Hulk has morals. Hyde does not. Because <laughs> Hyde is the dark side. Hyde is the dark side. He is the evil. But yeah, I know that uh, there was... Uh, Jekyll and Hyde, the book, has inspired a lot of media. Well, I know, yeah, because um, it's, it's, you know, the duality of man. Yeah. You know? Because I know that I had read somewhere that it inspired the Hulk. It definitely, even if they didn't mean for it to, it did inspire Nutty Professor. And both versions of it, both the Eddie Murphy and the Jerry Lewis ones. Um, well, the Jerry Lewis one inspired Eddie Murphy. I was thinking the Jerry, think when, I, when I said it initially, I was thinking the Jerry okay, Lewis one. I wasn't okay. thinking so much the Eddie I, Murphy. I couldn't remember if you'd seen the Jerry Lewis one or not. Cause, yeah, a long time okay. ago, and I actually saw it after I saw the Eddie Murphy one. Same, because same, same way I saw the uh, original Doctor Doolittle before I uh, after I saw the uh, Eddie Murphy Doctor Doolittle. I I did see the original Doctor Doolittle before the Eddie Murphy one, but and which was why I was very confused with the Eddie Murphy one. <laughs> but the Eddie Murphy Nutty Professor, I had to watch the Jerry Lewis one after I had seen that one because I had been so upset at uh, Eddie Murphy's character being made fun of for being overweight that like i just i was like no i can't i can't watch this so my mom was like okay let's watch the original so that you know how it ends and then we'll watch it again you be will you feel better about him being made fun of for being a nerd <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much and i'm just like no people are horrible why you sing that song from hair why are people so mean song yeah pretty much easy to be hard that's that's my song that's my <laughs> theme god damn it <laughs> it's easy to be hard when you're frank wildhorn Too brief. That's how you get blue stones. God damn it! <laughs> I swear that. <laughs> I swear that uh, some of these jokes just write themselves. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves a treat. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. <laughs> folks, we wanted to take a quick moment to thank our Patreon sponsors. Thank you to our stage crew sponsors, Jasmine Wu and Reagan, and our producer circle sponsor, Bianucci. Thank you so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Now let's hear a word from one of our favorite shows, History on Blast. 
to History on Blast. I'm Hillary, and I'll be your host as we call out history. Every other week, we'll be putting a different person, place, time, or event on blast for the shit that they pulled. This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. And now, the lights are going down and the music is starting back up, so let's hop into the second act of the show. Okay, babes, so what'd you think? I thought it was pretty good. I thought the the Hawk did a, a pretty good job, and I have very few reasons to hassle him. Awesome. So. <laughs> it, it did surprise me, because um, I, I know that he sings, I just always forget he can sing, because I'm not German. Yeah. But, I don't know, it was one of those things where when he was, well, we'll probably talk about it later, but when he was singing the baritone notes, he did great. Yeah, yeah. That's my note for him. Has has you're ah. a baritone. <laughs> yeah, he has harder with the the higher registries. Which you're a baritone, David. You're a baritone, David. <laughs> All right. So, Henry Jekyll is given what seems like a eulogy in the very beginning by a series of fancy men who talk to him about who talk about how great and brilliant and troubled he was. So, like in the opening scene, it shows uh, John. Who we find out later is his lawyer and shows what's his old curmudgeon face who was his father-in-law. Oh, Mr. Carew. Mr. Carew. Okay. Mm-hmm. What Does he have a name or is he just Mr. He Carew? does, but I don't remember. That's fine. I don't think he's important enough. Uh, he's He doesn't get a name. <laughs> Names are for important people. Um, but the two of them just... It very much feels like a eulogy, and I guess it makes sense mm-hmm. after watching it, because uh, it's very sad like yeah talking about him he's so brilliant and he had you know such could accomplish so much but he was just so troubled and yeah kind of thing and which that's kind of a holdover from the book because the book is all from john's perspective oh okay i did not know that i Uh, had to kind of look it up and do a little bit of refreshing on the book versus the play because the book is so different <laughs> yeah you were telling me a little bit about that and it sounds like i probably wouldn't like the book uh not as much not as, as much um but so the curtain rises and let's see well ah sorry jekyll was was troubled jekyll is a good man trying to help those who have been abandoned by the medical community and are clinically insane jekyll's colleagues tell him he's going against what god has set in motion but jekyll is like Psh, step off fool i'm gonna save my father <laughs> so like in the opening scene you know we see him by the bedside of a guy and he's holding his hand and he's like trying to talk to the person and they're all like oh he's not there anymore there's nothing left in him like I can't remember all the specifics, but they're basically saying he's he's a lost cause, just abandon him. He's like, I can't abandon him. He's my father. Mm-hmm. And we're, oh, that's his father. His father. So that's Henry Jekyll's personal stake in the matter is he's got to make this medical breakthrough because he wants to save his father. Mm-hmm. They don't elaborate on exactly what's wrong with him. It sounds like just 
generic mental illness. Cause yeah. Because the guy is comatose, so it's not like he's got dementia or schizophrenia. It could or... be catatonic schizophrenia, which yeah. will generally put you in, like, what looks like a comatose state, but you're aware of things. and mm. um, oh, What movie is it? Actually, the Eddie Murphy, Dr. Doolittle kind of pokes fun at it a little bit, if I remember right. Um, really? Yeah, there's the one guy whose arm is just always up, and he's got catatonia. It's been so long since I've seen that, I don't remember that, but I won't... Yeah, I, yeah. All right. I think it's the Eddie Murphy Dr. Doolittle. It's some I... movie where a character... It's a movie from when we were kids where a character ends up in a mental hospital, and I'm pretty sure it's that oh, one. Oh, that movie! Yeah! Yes. Okay, I remember that movie. So, Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's one we would have seen as kids. <laughs> After the reveal that uh, Jekyll is trying to come up with a cure to help his father, the entirety of London sings about how people are phonies, a bunch of phonies, who say what they don't mean and mean what they don't say, and hide behind a facade. Life is terribly hard when your life is a facade. It was a great line, and I turn to Kay and tell her that, to which she responds, <laughs> Frank fucking Wildhorn. <laughs> I love my wife, you guys. I love you. <laughs> a group of medical board members meets to discuss Jekyll's request for funding. I assume it sounded like he was gathering them together to propose his plan to request permission slash funding. I didn't, yeah, it, and yeah, because he wouldn't be able to experiment on someone from the mental hospital without getting approval. Oh, I to guess do I, it, yes, that's so. right. Because he wanted okay. Anyway. That's why he had the ethics guy yeah. and the so, funding and all so, of that. So the group of medical board members uh, meets to discuss the request for funding. They say, no, 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 you can't experiment on a human soul. It's much more important that we continue abandoning those who are broken because fuck the sick and mentally ill. Like. Knowing what happens, these people are technically right, but for all of the wrong reasons. Yeah. Because they're just like, no, you can't cross this line. Well, we need to do something to help them. Ha ha ha, we don't need to help them. We're just, this is God's will. We're just going to let them be like this. So uh, Hyde is basically telling them that in his research, you know, oh, there's a good side and a bad side to every person. He's found a way to isolate um, just, you know, the good side of a human being. And through, through using, you know, rare drugs, he's going to concoct them and uh, administer them uh, via syringe to, mm -hmm. to cause this. Because one of the, the board members, the uh, woman, accused him, are you just going to operate on their brain? And he's like, ha ha, no, drugs are the answer. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the board does their best impersonation of a pack of horses and tramples Jekyll's <laughs> dreams to death while shouting, Nay, 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 nay! <laughs> when they hold a vote, you know, the all in favor, aye, all opposed, nay. Uh, John, Henry's lawyer and friend, tries to tell Jekyll that he's treading on dangerous ground and making powerful enemies. Even if they're hypocrites, they're powerful hypocrites. John tells Jekyll he's too obsessed with his father's condition, to which Jekyll is like, no fucking shit, John. He's my father, dude. I'm going to do whatever I can with or without their approval. So it's made me, like, I do approve of, uh, like, like Jekyll's a good guy. Like, mm -hmm. even In though... this, he's very good. Yeah, even though shit goes sideways, like, at least he's a good guy. And, like, granted, uh, to an extent, 
his desire is purely selfish because he mm -hmm. wants primarily he wants to do this to help his father. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, by extension, other people later. Yeah. But primarily he wants to help his father. Um, and he's, you know, he's got honor, he's got integrity, and he's got um, will. Like, this mm -hmm. man is willful as fuck. I think if yeah. I was in his situation, I probably wouldn't go that route. But you know what? Uh, spoilers. Uh, if I hadn't gone the same route as Jekyll, I probably would have had a happy marriage. And this is true. You would have had a marriage. A marriage. Uh, so <laughs> He doesn't even get that shit. <laughs> so uh, at uh, Jekyll, Jekyll's uh, engagement party, the upper crust of society get together and ridicule Jekyll, saying that he's crazy and that they can't believe Emma is going to marry a madman. Emma tells everyone to mind their own business. Uh, a guy starts creeping on Emma, and she tells her former boyfriend, I think? Yeah. Tells him to step off, because Henry's eyes, is he? Because in Henry's eyes, she sees where she's meant to be. Like, they don't, I don't even know if they say who that guy is, but the way that he is very familiar with Emma implies that they used to be a thing. And it's almost kind of like, he's like, don't marry Henry, like, come back to me. And she's mm -hmm. like, no, piss off. Yeah. It's kind of the way that that action goes down. Uh, Henry, uh, uh, Henry is late to his own engagement party and catches a little bit of flack for that. Mm -hmm. But he and Emma, you know, um, get together and they are super fucking saccharine sweet. And I love that. Mm -hmm. uh, and even when Henry is like, don't marry me, Emma, your life will be hard. Cause I can't stay in the past with these Neanderthals. I have to move forward into the future, into progress. Emma's like, but I loves you, Henry. And your dreams are my dreams. CK, a good woman knows that her life revolves around her husband and what he wants. And I have the note in here, waiting for Kay's death gaze to subside. <laughs> After all, Kay, you know how I am, so take me as I am. Oh, I'll take you. Giggity? <laughs> so, Emma's father is like, did you tell him, or did you yell at him? His attitude uh, is hard to tolerate, to which Emma is like, he's marrying me, not you. I love that line. There's a great line, because she says, uh... Emma's father asks him, did you give him the thrashing that he deserved? And she's like, did mother's thrashings ever do any good on you? And he's like, huh, touche, touche, mm -hmm. daughter of mine. And her father basically tells her a little bit like, oh, you know, he loves her so much and he knows that he needs to let her go and, yeah. and just, you know, be an adult woman and go live her own life. And it's good to see that uh, Emma's father cares about her and isn't just like, my daughter is property who will help me gain yeah. political gain and prestige if I marry her to the right person. That well, would have been some fucked up shit right there. And very common. Mm -hmm. especially Common and fucked up. Yeah, common. Just because it's common doesn't mean it's always right. <laughs> See slavery. <laughs> Which, I want to bring up one thing. I love how diverse this cast oh, yeah. was. Oh, yeah. Because... It, it throws some stuff in the face of people who always go, but why black people in London? But Bitch, we is... were there. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's... <laughs> did you did you think that black people weren't invented until, like, the 90s? <laughs> it's like, come on. It's like, come on. Uh, the world has been a lot more diverse for longer than people like to yeah. think. Yeah. It's, it's really bizarre. It's like, take a history class, read a history book, like... We were traveling and mingling with each other for a long time. Yeah, so it, it was just one of those nice things, because here you wouldn't necessarily have gotten a cast like this. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. All right. So, 
Speaking of London, life is hard on the streets of London, where death comes cheap, and to survive, you must be quick on your feet. All of the rich men go to a whorehouse, or burlesque house, called, One of the two. called the Red Rat. Hmm, Red Rat. Red Rat. Is that an STD? <laughs> because this scene is making me itch and burn simultaneously. <laughs> we are introduced to Lucy, the newest dancing girl at the Red Rat, who just wants to learn instead of shaking her ass to pay the bills. Uh, so, and it's, it's, it's almost like a bachelor party kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's like all of the men from the engagement party go to the Red Rat. Yeah. And they're all kind of like, oh, you need to loosen up and have some fun, Henry. And he's like, I would, I don't want to be here. I'd mm -hmm. much rather just be with my, my fiance. Mm -hmm. But they're and doing like, my science. And doing my can science. Can I go back into my science can room I, and can, do my science? Can I go back and do my science? But uh, speaking of paying the bills, Lucy gets on stage and shakes her ass to a song about good and evil and how good is evil and evil is good because good is bad and it's bad to be good. But if it's bad to be good, then why is it good? Shouldn't it just be bad? Wouldn't that make it less confusing if bad was just bad and good was just good? None of this makes any sense and... and, and my breaks my brain a little bit and it's going to break my brain for the rest of the show. So... <laughs> The spider is good to Lucy and gives a love tap to her face. He tells her that he'll kill her if she's late again. <laughs> but Lucy, but, but luckily for her, he's in a bad mood and he'll be up to her room later to show her how bad of a mood he's in. Lucky her. So a little bit of explanation on that. Uh, Lucy does have a song in which she sings about good is bad and bad is good. Uh, and then her pimp comes up and slaps her for being late. It's the black spider. Yeah. Is it a black spider? No, it's, spider. it's just the spider, yeah. but I can't hear that without thinking of Magic Brian from oh. Adventure Zone. Gotcha. So the whole time I was just picturing him as Magic Brian, the but, entire musical. <laughs> but Spider Pimp slaps Lucy and uh, with tells, one of his eight arms. With one of his eight arms and tells her that she's that if she's ever late again, he's gonna kill her. And uh, she's lucky that he's in such a good mood, and he'll be up to her room later to show her what a good mood he's in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, implying that there's going to be some not-so-enjoyable yeah. times in Lucy's future. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Jekyll gets to meet Lucy, and, she, and he thanks her for inspiring him to uh, do some self-experimentation. Lucy flirts with Jekyll, and he pops a hide in his pants and <laughs> gives her a card before leaving, God saying God. that if you ever need a friend, you can come see me. Mm -hmm. After leaving the Red Rat, Jekyll is like, I'm gonna experiment tonight, because tonight is a night for science! John shits himself just a little with panic and tells the butler, make sure you get Henry to bed so he doesn't do anything stupid. Butler Poole is like, what do you need, sir? And Henry is like, go to bed. I shan't be needing you tonight. And Poole's like, very well, sir. After dismissing Butler Poole, Henry sings about his great golden chance, and only he can take it to make the mark that only he can make. This is the moment, this is the day, that Henry learns to channel the force and pushes all of the furniture... <laughs> Pushes all of the furniture out of the room and transforms the scene into his laboratory. Oh, never mind. I think that was a theater trick, not space magic. My bad. Honest mistake. However, this is the moment. The sweetest moment of them all. The moment that he fucks up his life forever. So, And the moment that we learned that the Hoff 
is baritone, not a tenor. <laughs> so in this scene, and it happens later too, they just bas- like there's a part where he just sings and he does that theater thing where he's singing loudly and he like spreads his arms. And as he does that, the scene, like all of the furniture on both sides of the, uh, God damn it. I'm so, <laughs> Kay and I do podcasts and none of you people can see this, but we're motioning with my arms to the point where Kay has to do a matrix dodge to avoid being smacked by me as I'm trying to describe with my arms like a fucking idiot. Anyway, when Hoff does his big theater, like spreading of the arms and like, all the furniture on both sides of the room just slides like invisibly, (laughs) which if you're a star Wars nerd, you'll get the, the force push joke in there. That's for you. That's an esoteric comment. You're welcome. Star Wars fans. Anyway, this is the night where Hoff, uh, Jekyll Hoff, I should, mm, Jekyll fucks up his life forever. Henry is recording his lab notes, and he starts uh, this, and he started this alone, and he must, oh, sorry, ah, I wrote that kind of weird. Henry is recording his lab notes that he started this alone, and he must finish it alone, that he must be the subject of his experiment. Henry rolls up his sleeve preparing to inject himself with a split personality cocktail of plot development. <laughs> he makes some more lab notes. Salty, bitter taste in his mouth. Burning. <laughs> why is that funny, Kay? Why is why is a salty, bitter taste in your mouth funny? I don't know why Kay is laughing. I don't I don't know why why a salty, bitter taste in someone's mouth would be something for Kay to laugh about. Do you have something you'd like to share with the class? She's shaking her head no. And now she's cough laughing. She's coughing. Breathe, Kay. It's okay, I'll give you a salty, bitter taste later. Anyway, after Jekyll injects himself and he's making lab notes about how he feels, he's like, huh, salty, bitter taste in my mouth, burning in his veins, uh, euphoria, no noticeable behavioral differences. And as he's, he's laughing his ass off as he writes that, he starts to sing about how things are great, but the plot takes hold and he starts to transform. Jekyll lets his hair down and pulls a Clark Kent evil Superman switch, becoming Hyde, and proves that he's evil even better, to prove that he's evil, he even became left-handed. <gasps> you know, <laughs> I sit here, though, and I go, what do you mean none of y'all recognize Dr. Right? Jekyll? All he does is have his hair down, and all of a sudden you don't notice him? It's like Clark Kent was Superman. Like, are you people <laughs> fucking stupid? He has the exact same hair. All he did was take off his glasses. So I joke about it a lot, but even I can tell that's David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Well, I can tell that's Jekyll. I can tell that's the same person. Like, that's not a, oh, you both look like... No. So, so, is it, uh, is it, uh, Jekyll or Hyde that gives you the salty, bitter taste in your mouth? Kay made a gross face at that. Ew. No. Hyde... I'm not a Hoff fan, so... Hyde feels great. He loves how this feels. He feels alive, because it's good to be bad. Wait, it's bad to be good. Lucy's song has confused me, and it will for the rest of the show. 
Uh, so Hyde has his song about how it feels good to be him, and this is great, and... He's alive! He's alive, you know, about just that, that. So, Jekyll has taken a back seat in the brain, and Hyde is in the front, but we don't really know where he goes with this, because it cuts to weeks after the experiment, and everyone is, like, super pissy with Jekyll for being absent. Everyone leaves, and John talks to Poole, the butler about how uh, Jekyll has been odd, and he's been... Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Everyone leaves, and John talks to Poole. The butler talks to him about how Jekyll has been odd, and he has admitted a crazy, creepy man into the lab. Poole would never admit such a man. Jekyll comes out and yells at Poole to go get him some drugs from the pharmacist. John talks to Jekyll, who gives him some letters in case he disappears. Everyone sings in an overlapping song that's hard for me to understand. Because uh, it's like Emma and John and Jekyll, and they're all singing in different places on the stage, and they're all singing different lyrics. Mm -hmm. And if Kay wants to elaborate on that, she can, because I didn't really <clears throat> know what was going on. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I didn't ha we couldn't get captions on this. Yeah. I couldn't figure it out, so I actually am not... My brain is still kind of on the salty bitter joke, so. <laughs> <laughs> Though I, I am sitting here, and this is horrible, and I feel bad for thinking this, but I'm like, you know, maybe the whole cheeseburger thing, the cheeseburger video of Hasselhoff, where he's like eating a cheeseburger oh, where drunk. Oh, where he's drunk and it's I, his kid recording him. Yeah, it suddenly is like, oh my gosh, you you, you just never left this role. <laughs> you, you Jekyll and Hyde in there. And I feel hey. bad joking that way because I'm like, but I felt so bad for that kid because I know how that feels. Ad addiction's <laughs> tough to kick. There's a lot of addiction. Mm -hmm. Like later on, there's a lot of addiction yeah. uh, undertones with the Jekyll and Hyde Holy dynamic. Holy crap. They, but, I mean, I know, and he I, does some good acting with that that I'm like, yeah. Whoa, this uh, is painful to watch after knowing how he gets how later he, on how he struggles with Hasselhoff alcohol. yeah, yeah um, it's like oh this hurts but uh but yeah Hasselhoff does a, his acting in this is really really yeah. good we'll tease him a little bit about his singing but his acting was yeah. really really good and the only thing that I tease about his singing is that he's singing out of his vocal range because the this is definitely a tenor character but he is a baritone singing tenor and sometimes he doesn't quite hit the note <laughs> So, of course, Kay can pick up on those kinds of things, because I hear it and I go, that doesn't sound quite right, but Kay hears it and she goes, oh, I know the specifics of what's going on here. And I'm like, if you say so, honey. Because I've been there. <laughs> Contralto powers activate. So, Poole comes to tell Henry that a scantily clad tart is here to see him, and Henry is like, well, send her in, man. Lucy is the tart, and she came to talk to Henry for help since he's a doctor. It looks like Lucy was injured by a John. Not that John. Not lawyer John. A different John. You know, a John. <laughs> Turns out the John was Hyde. Edward Hyde. Hyde is the John. Who was bad. But bad is good, so Hyde is good. And Jekyll bad? I'm so confused and it's your fault, Lucy! <laughs> Lucy takes off uh, her clothes a bit to reveal that she has been injured, and Jekyll patches up Lucy. And she gives him lovey eyes and kisses his hand. Then Lucy makes a move on Henry and kisses him on the lips. Henry realizes that he did a no-no, but seems to be enthralled by Lucy's siren song. 
Lucy has has uh, developed force powers as well. God damn it. As her heart swells, she pushes the set off stage <laughs> so that she can have more room to sing about how she wants to be free and how she wants to be with Henry. I didn't realize so many force-sensitive people lived in the late 19th century in London. Musicals are very informative. Jesus Christ. <laughs> We cut to the Red Rat, where a very, very uncomfortable-looking woman is not pleased with a rich man making another booty schedule appointment. Hyde stumbles upon the man who turns out to be the bishop and beats the living crap out of him. I know that Hyde is supposed to be bad, but he did some good work just now. Yeah, like, it's one of those things where I see that happen and I'm like, nothing of value was lost. <laughs> Yeah. With the bishop. Yeah, so, because, like, um, because it cuts to the red rat, and it's this younger girl who looks very, very uncomfortable, mm -hmm. and the mistress, I don't know what her name is, uh, we'll I call- I can't remember her name. We'll call her- Fraulein? Rat-faced bitch of a monster demoness from hell. Yeah, she's uh, pretty horrible. <laughs> she is basically talking to the bishop and like, oh, we so appreciate your patronage. And he's, the bishop's super creepy and like, oh, it was all my pleasure. She's such a beautiful young woman. Ugh. Just eggs, just, just spreading on the creepy mayonnaise on this slice of awful bread. And uh, he basically pays in advance for another fuckfest next Wednesday with this likely underage girl because mm -hmm. it's london you know mm -hmm. in the late 19th century you know before consent was a thing yeah and uh that's when hyde shows up and just beats the ever-loving piss out of him and lights him on fire and it was great oh no he didn't light him on fire he, that was later he did oh he did okay yeah he beats him to death and then pours kerosene on him and lights him on fire so and i was just like hey so far hyde's a pretty uh outstanding individual and i mean he didn't do it because of the girl he did it yeah. because the bishop was one of the people who said no you can't do this experiment yeah i do it, it's 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 a happy coincidence that he did some vigilante justice mm -hmm. even if it was just petty revenge mm -hmm. on his part uh, so we come back from, so that was where the act break ends, was Hyde committing his first murder. Mm -hmm. We come back from Hyde's the act break. Hyde's first murder. <laughs> oh my god, you guys, Hyde's first murder. <laughs> we come back from the act break with John the lawyer, not Lucy's John, talking about how Jekyll has gotten worse. He won't see anyone. He won't talk to anyone. No one has seen him in weeks and weeks. The fake news media of London starts dispersing news that the bishop was murdered in cold blood. Such a tragedy. The man should be made a saint. Hyde shows up and kills the general from earlier who ridiculed Jekyll. The common folk continue to sing about murder, murder, bloody murder. We see Jekyll trying to score more drugs from his pharmacist who says that he doesn't have everything, but he should have the rest of it by tomorrow. Hyde shows up. And another one bites the dust. Two, I mean. More of Jekyll's enemies are taken down. Hyde catches up to and kills the third one who got away from the earlier scene. None escape the Hyde. While the extras keep singing, Murder! Murder! Bloody murder! Murder! In the night! And so to elaborate on that scene, because a lot's happening, because we come back from the act break and there's this paper boy who's like, Extra! Extra! Bishop murdered in the street! And everybody's like, oh my god, the bishop, a man of God, such an outstanding moral compass of the community, was murdered in cold blood. And uh, then it's the general, because all these people that are getting killed were from the scene when uh, 
Jekyll was trying to ask for permission and funding to do mm-hmm. his research. And they're all like, no, you're crazy. Go screw yourself. Yeah. And so now Hyde's taken revenge. And so first he killed the bishop and then he kills the general. Mm-hmm. And I like the way he says it to the general. You've been relieved of command. Yep. The general's like, how dare you? And uh, the way they showed it on stage was actually really great because they did a camera trick and it looked like he took, it looked like Hyde took his uh, cane and shoved it down the guy's throat and mm-hmm. it came out the back of his head. Yep. And it was just filmed perfectly. Yes, it, looked, it was. It looked great. Yeah. Um, so he killed the general and then later on he catches up to, I don't know who they were like, one was the, the snotty rich woman, uh, her husband, and... Some other guy. Yeah. And, and Hyde, I can't remember which one he was. Yeah, but... Hyde stabs one of the guys, and then he basically he tells the woman, oh, you're wearing your diamonds out. Like, you shouldn't do that. Don't you know what kind of attention that could attract? And he basically strangles her with her necklace. Yeah. And then uh, that woman's husband, I think is who it was, is the guy who got away. And then he's at a train station next to Emma and her father, and they're talking, oh, we're leaving town because of all these rich people who are getting murdered, we don't feel safe. And, yeah. And, that, and that's when Hyde shows up and kills the uh, the other guy. Mm-hmm. Which it's funny, because the whole time I'm sitting here going, you know, uh, Mr. Carew survives this. He does not survive the book. Oh, really? No. Does he get killed in the same crime spree that happens? Yeah, I believe, and I think he might actually be the first death in the book, but I can't remember... Uh, or no, no, a, uh, the stand-in for Lucy, or the girl that Lucy Harris is a stand-in for, because she's not really in the book, if I remember right. Like, the whole engagement thing, I don't think was a plot point. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a long-ass time, and I had to, like, briefly brush up on this, but I don't think any of that is in this, because Jekyll's, like, in his 50s in the book, and... He's just more of like, I want to release my inhibitions and feel the rain on my... Feel the rain on my face! And then he, uh, then he, uh, feels his inhibitions a little too much. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can tell you, a good Friday night, I like to feel my inhibitions. (laughs) Sorry. Oh my god. (laughs) So, after uh, Hyde's murder spree, Emma breaks into Jekyll's lab and is reading his journal, to which Henry is like, But my journal! Ah! Emma is like, Sweetie, you need to take a break. This is getting out of hand. You need a shower. You smell. Henry's like, But Henry says uh, what he's going through is like an addiction, but he knows the truth is inside there, somewhere. Emma sings to Henry, The sun is getting low, big fella. And Henry seems to respond to Emma's uh, serenading, uh, but then gets itchy for another fix of his intravenous uh, London cocktail. Oh my god. Henry tells Emma that he's trying not to chase the dragon, and he needs Emma more than he ever has. Emma says, if you need me, you know where to find me. So I kind of blame Emma a little bit for this, because she's in his lab, sees that he's not doing well, but then is like, okay, toodles, and then leaves. It is better for her in the long run, though, that she didn't stay. <laughs> maybe? I don't... Because of what happens. <laughs> maybe? I just... I don't know. Because who knows if she would have been able to help him or not. Uh, it just Probably not. Probably not. Because of okay. how he acts later. K- I think that she would have gotten K is of the, the mind. Lucy Harris treatment. Yeah, K is of the mind that uh, Emma escaped. Yeah. Uh, 
So after Emma leaves, John shows up as Jekyll is writing in his diary, saying that the experiment is out of control. John confronts Jekyll, saying, Dude, I read your letters, and what the f- who the fuck is Edward Hyde? And why the fuck are you leaving him everything in your will? Jekyll is like, Bro, my dealer is having drugs delivered to you. Can you bring them to me? I need my fix. Henry sings his Who Am I song, in which he struggles with Am I me, or is Hyde me? Is he the real me? Am I trying to fight, or is he my true self? Can you see the real me? Can ya? Can ya? What's that from? It's Quadrophenia. Oh, oh nice. So, <laughs> when um, John shows up, he says, Hey, you know, I read your letters, and what the hell is going on? And, and uh, Jekyll's like, Oh, I trusted you. I can't believe you did that. Oh, by the way, I need another thing from you. My dealer won't send drugs to me anymore, so I need them to send to your house, and then I need you to bring them to me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's, it's, they do, you know, when they make earlier, he says uh, that it's like an addiction. Mm -hmm. uh, he does a good job, kind of, there's the definite undertone of drugs can destroy a man, kind of thing, in this, and they turn you into somebody that you're not. Yeah. And uh, so there is kind of that undertone going on throughout the whole show which i thought was pretty good uh this is all just a big long dare psa <laughs> dare to keep your kids off drugs dare or you'll become edward hyde <laughs> emma and lucy sing about how much they both want to bang jekyll i know there is more to that but that's the gist of the entire song yeah uh they are both sharing a stage of course in theater world they're nowhere near each other but they're both standing on a stage singing sage standing on a stage standing on the stage singing their i want to bang jekyll song mm -hmm. uh and then the song ends and lucy or uh, emma walks off stage and lucy walks over and sits down and she's now in the red rat and who walks into the red rat but Hyde, and he's come mm -hmm. to see her. And he's, like, creepy controlling. He's like, I'm gonna go away for a while, but you better be here when I get back. Mm. Lucy sings about how sick Hyde makes her feel while he's fondling her and being all creepy rapey. Lucy tries to escape, but Hyde won't let her. It's a dangerous game, this sin with no name. Spider Pimp has a brief song at the end of this part, singing about people around here can't be trusted and shouldn't be trusted, because they're all uh, fake and hiding behind a facade. Uh, and I feel really, really bad for Lucy. Lucy is probably one of my favorite characters yeah. in this show. I feel like she's a very dynamic character. Mm -hmm. um, she has no idea what's going on. She has no idea like, Jekyll's is engaged. She has yeah. no idea about any of this crap. Out of these two love interests, like, Emma is uh, sassy and sophisticated and mm -hmm. loyal and kind. Like, Emma has a lot of good points to her, yeah. but I don't feel like there's a whole lot of depth to her character because no. she's just, you know, she was born into privilege. She's lived a very... Uh, cushy life mm -hmm. and she's gonna marry the man that she loves and you know other than like her mother dying this is probably the first real hardship she's had whereas Lucy is like my life's been shit from wall to wall and mm -hmm. I have no family I have no friends she has no family she has no education like mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm pretty sure she's illiterate at a, because of a scene that happens later but she's you know basically a prostitute who mm -hmm. wants a better life so i feel like she has a she has a more dynamic and interesting character yeah. and it's really sad that hyde has taken such a liking to her yep yeah so uh john goes to check on jekyll but hyde is there and he tells john that jekyll will not be around for some time john is like dude you're scary i see why uh, henry is scared of you 
What have you done to him? Hyde is like, what have I done to him? What has Jekyll done to me? And he takes off his coat and you can see that there's like blood splatters on there. So I don't know if, if, uh... Jekyll tried to end his own life? Possibly. Because there's a I'm lot of blood. Hun- yeah. Because, like, where the blood is, it's, like, on his side of his chest and, like, under his arm, and it's kind of on his side. So I think that Jekyll probably tried to kill himself, but there was the struggle, and Hyde was able to avoid being stabbed in a vital area. Yeah. So I think that's where that line is. But anyway, when he says, What has he done to me? And he takes off the jacket, showing the bloodied shirt. Hyde then grabs... Uh, some stuff off the counter and is and he has a great line. He's like, "What's the matter, John? Aren't you scared of science?" Yeah. And then he injects himself with some stuff and turns back into Jekyll and gives John another missive to deliver to Lucy. So I did not quite get this scene because he's already hide. He's already in control. Mm-hmm. But then he intentionally reverts back to Jekyll. I'm not 100% sure why they chose this, because this is another divergence from the book, because the book, you don't find out what happened until after Jekyll dies, and then it's like, oh, spoilers. that's what happened. And, yeah, well, I, yeah, you're right. Everyone no, you're, should know how this ends. No, you're good. I just <laughs> Wishbone told us. I was just teasing you. But yeah, I, I didn't get that plot, because it's like, mm-hmm. why would it hide? Hyde wants to be Hyde. He doesn't want to ever be Jekyll. It's yeah. like this, you know, it comes in waves, and so I don't get why Hyde would intentionally revert back to Jekyll. I, I feel like that part didn't make any sense. For the plot. For the Yeah, exactly, for the plot. So when he reverts back into Jekyll, Jekyll gives John another missive and says, take this to Lucy at the Red Rat. And John's like, uh, okay. Uh, Jekyll sings his... Uh, I will find a way to lock Hyde away again while injecting himself with some more stuff. Uh, Jekyll lights his lab on fire to destroy the Hyde drug, I assume, to kind of just... seems like he's to the point where he's like, fuck it, this research has gone wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what seems to be happening. Yeah. Uh, John goes to the Red Rat to deliver Henry's letter to Lucy, but I think she's illiterate, so John reads the missive to her, uh, saying, here's some money, you need to leave town. Uh, John after the deliver- John leaves after the delivery, and Lucy sings about a new life, a new start, and the and uh, that's the thing she needs to give her a new heart. Uh, this song is too inspirational, and I have a feeling something bad is about to happen. <laughs> uh, I say this to Kay, and Kay has a look on her face <laughs> during Lucy's song that makes me think my prediction is correct. And now she's further driving the future nail into Lucy's future coffin with this quote. It's always the woman with a good mezzo song, Kay says. <laughs> yep. Hey, Lucy, now that I'm fairly certain you're a dead woman singing, maybe you should cut your song short and get the fuck out of town. Like, now, get get you some of that new start you keep singing about. Too late. The thunder outside is way too foreboding, and guess who walked in the door? If you guessed Hyde, you'd be correct. And, uh, oh, oh, God dang it, I ruined my own joke. So, guess who walked in the door? Hyde! And in goes the knife into Lucy's back. Damn it, Hyde, you fuckface. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Lucy, rather than, like, leaving immediately, she's like, eh, I'll do it in the morning. What's yeah. the rush? And that's when Hyde shows up and he's like, you weren't leaving, were you? She's like, no, no, I, I wasn't ever going to leave. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. And he's like, good, good. Sits on the bed with her and he's like, come here, no closer closer and then he's like holding her and she's like stroking his arm 
very nervously, for good reason, because mm-hmm. then he pulls out a knife and stabs her in the back, and yep. then slits her throat after, because, yep. fuck you, Hyde. Uh, I liked Lucy, and I don't like that she's dead, so that Me sucks. Me either. Yep. Uh, so to lighten the mood, as they're cutting off Lucy, as they're carting off Lucy's body, I hear Kay say, off to the mass grave with you. I love my wife, you guys. We cope with dark humor. Yes. Jekyll is back and is singing about how he can find the answer, unless the question is how to unkill Lucy. I don't really care, Henry. Oh, it's the song where he argues with himself. It's done really well. Uh, Head up, he's Jekyll. Head down, he's Hyde. Head up, Henry. Head down, Edward. Damn, Hoff is giving it 110% in this inner battle scene. I applaud his commitment to this. This was one of the best acted moments in the whole show, and the whole show was really well acted, but holy crap. Yeah, the whole show was incredibly well acted. Um, Just, I mean, bravo Mm -hmm. to everybody involved. Um, Good job, Hoff. But this scene where Hoff is having, like, a real inner struggle with himself is Mm -hmm. really, really, really good. Um, it kind of reminds me of the first, uh, I think it's the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Um, when, God, I can't remember the actor's name right now, but the guy who plays Green Goblin, mm-hmm. um, when he's arguing with himself about killing Spider-Man, and he's like looking in the mirror and he's Green Goblin, and then it cuts to him and he's mm-hmm. Harry Osborn. It's it's that kind of thing. Like, he'll turn his head and he's one person, turn his head, he's the other person. But they yeah. have a light shining on... Uh, Hasselhoff when he's doing this song and when his head is up it's a bright light that looks more you know inspirational and when his head is down his hair is covering his face and it's a dark light and the way that they just go back and forth between this is just super good it's it's really good and it's one of those things that again like I watched that and I'm just like it it hurts when you know what the Hoff is going to be going through in a couple of years and I'm so glad he's doing better now yeah He's a brilliant actor. I and, wouldn't go that well, far. When it's this sort of stuff, <laughs> he's pretty brilliant when he can pull it out of himself. Yeah, true. But true. when he... Because, you know, if you give him a chance with stuff like this, he's pretty damn brilliant. Oh, yeah, he did He did it's, do it's, really good. Some of the brilliance has to also come from what projects you choose to do, Hoff. Well, very well put, Kay. Mm-hmm. Very well put. Yep. My wife is a, is a source for some great wisdom. I try. So, uh, after this internal battle scene, John takes center stage, along with Jekyll's father-in-law, as the scene opens up on Henry and Emma's wedding day. The priest is doing his priest thing, and is like, if anyone objects, speak now! And Hyde is like, I object! And bursts (laughs) out, and breaks a guy's neck, and then takes Emma hostage. Emma is able to snap uh, snap Jekyll out of it for a moment, but Hyde takes hold. And John pulls a sword on him. Jekyll and Hyde agree for once and are like, Do it, John, you pansy-ass motherfucker. Do it! John is like, I I can't do it. I am a pansy-ass motherfucker. (laughs) And Jekyll grabs the sword and stabs himself in a non-vital area. He then falls to the ground and dies anyway, as Emma sings over his body before we get the curtain call. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so that's how the show ends, is death at a wedding. Yep. Um... But, you know, because it opens up pretty standard as a wedding scene. Like, first the wedding wedding party comes in, and then uh, Jekyll walks in, you know, standing very erect, looking, looking, what? There's something funny about erect? 
Jekyll standing erect, is that how you get the, the bitter salty taste? <laughs> so, uh, Jekyll comes in and he's, you know, in his wedding tuxedo and looking all fancy. And then Emma comes in in her wedding dress and they do the standard walking down the aisle and taking hands. And that's when the priest does his thing. And then that's where everything devolves into a shitstorm. Mm-hmm. And as, uh, Jekyll is transforming. He's like, no, not my wedding day. No. Like, because mm-hmm. he's, you know, ruining everything. Yeah. But it did make me laugh um, when John pulled out the sword because he had one of those sword canes. Uh-huh. And I tell you, when I'm old, even if I don't need a cane for mobility reasons, I'm getting me a fucking sword cane because they are awesome. Do you know how much I wished I had a sword cane when I was going through my surgery? I was like, this would be so friggin' baller to have a sword cane. I mean, I wouldn't have used it when I was working after my surgery, but, like, just to go to the store and stuff, like, yeah, I want a sword cane. I want to, you know, if I had a sword cane, I would use it to open every package that I ever yes. had. Yes, yes. I'd use it for everything. <gasps> Cutting a watermelon with a sword cane. Too flimsy. Not if you have, like, a good sword. Well, maybe. Because, I mean, they show people on sword demo videos cutting watermelons, and... This video has devolved a little bit. I want so... watermelon. We have watermelon. <gasps> Yay. <laughs> so, um, but I did laugh when, uh, cause John, cause like, uh, Hyde is the one who's initially like, do it, John. Do it. Do it, motherfucker. Yeah, do it, bitch. And John's like, oh, oh, and it's like, and then Jekyll takes hold and he's like, John, do it, please. I'm begging you. Set me free. And it's that moment, um, John's like, as because uh, Heckle, Heckle, Jekyll is actually moving forward towards the sword, and John's like stepping backwards and pulling the sword back because he doesn't want to stab his friend. Mm-hmm. So, I, I can't. And then that's when, uh, I almost said it again, Jekyll reaches up and grabs the sword, and then he pulls it into him. But of course, like, he does it like in the side, which even if you hit a kidney, you wouldn't die right away. <laughs> like, no. It made me laugh the way that he did it, because it's like, ah, it's a non-vital area. Well, it's better than having it be what it would be in reality at that time of, like, a few weeks of Jekyll in a hospital dying from a injury to the abdomen, going into sepsis, and then... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more dramatic that way than, you know, cutting to... It's been four weeks and he's dying of <laughs> sepsis. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, and then uh, after he stabs himself with John's sword, that's when he falls to the ground. And he's pretty... I can't remember if he says anything to Emma or if he's like, I'm sorry, or if he just dies I and then Emma... I think he says something and then she's telling him, rest, it's okay, you're free now, and then he dies. Yep. And what's funny is that there's... Very little of a uh, dramatic pause uh, after Jekyll is killed because it's almost like it's like three seconds after, and then he jumps up, and then it goes into the curtain call. Yep. So it made me laugh how there wasn't like a slow, sad, like everybody grieving and then pulling away, or like maybe closing the curtain mm-hmm. and then like going into the curtain call. It was almost like, oh no, he's dead. Good night, everybody. Like, it, was, it was one of those like y'all know how this fucking ends. <laughs> so it was it was funny, and you know, curtain call was nice, and then uh, Castlehoff had a little bit of a monologue at the end, just thanking everybody for coming, and he had a, a funny dig at himself where he's like, "I've come a long way from the beach in a talking car." And, yeah, and he makes the comment, he's like, "I want to thank the whole cast who basically spoon fed me 
this entire mm-hmm. thing because you know he, I, it sounds like this was probably his first theater thing yeah so he's been a film actor so he really didn't have any background in theater and it sounds like that the cast was really really helpful in bringing him up up to speed on the proper things to do for live theater yeah and it's one of those things that makes me kind of go you know Hoff maybe this is what you should focus on because he did good. a really good job he and did he really sold good. me on his acting ability with this. Well, that's the funny thing is I've never really been a Hasselhoff fan. Oh, me I'm either. always because I never watched Baywatch. I never watched Knight Rider. Mm-hmm. I think it was just I. I never even if I had been in that demographic like when I was born. Um, I don't know if it would have appealed to me. Maybe, maybe not. I've just never been that much of a Hasselhoff fan. I've no. always known him more as just David Hasselhoff. I've never really known his work. Yeah. Uh, this is probably the first thing of his that I have seen, like, to completion, and I was really impressed with him. I was extremely impressed. And like, it's like, I would like to see him in more roles like that. Like, yeah, I, I know more that, dramatic shit, yeah, man. Like we've talked about, I know in Germany, he's known primarily for his music. I've heard very little of his music overall. There is something I would like to share with the audience. Uh... There was a independent film made yes. a few years back, and I use the term, it's a short film. It's only about forty-five minutes, but it's called Kung Fury. So, like, think Kung Fu, Kung Fu, but Fury instead of Fu. Kung Fury. It is. It was a crowdsourced uh, little film, and it's a love letter to eighties action films. It is hilarious. I suggest you go watch it's it. Fantastic. Uh, David Hasselhoff sings the theme song for that show and there's even a video that's a music video with david hasselhoff singing and it's a great song i have it on one of my playlists on spotify Mm -hmm. and uh hasselhoff does a great job in that song as well but uh that was actually probably before seeing this that was probably one of my better exposures to david hasselhoff yeah sing that song be like damn hasselhoff can actually sing Mm -hmm. like when he's singing more rock stuff his lyric you know he does a better job but like you were talking uh when he's trying to do theater, he has a hard time with the high notes. Yeah, because, um, yeah, he's he's not a tenor. He's a baritone, or at least a low tenor into baritone. And he sounds great when he hits those notes. He sounds excellent when he sings low. And maybe he should focus on that, you know. And that's also better for your voice, because if, if you're not properly stretching your vocal cords... Like, doing the proper exercises, you can end up oh, like Roger Daltrey. Oh, okay. Stretching your vocal cords is how you get the salty, bitter taste. <sighs> Good night, everyone. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I I was sold on Hasselhoff as Hyde for this. And I, was I was, too. I was a little concerned because I had only seen snippets, but I hadn't, like, really... I, I had only seen enough to make sure that... The quality would be good, which is kind of where I'm at with the show that we're going to be looking at next. The mystery show? The mystery show that I have not watched it all the way through. I have only gone through to make sure that we can watch it. Intriguing. And uh, if you're ready... Oh, I'm I'm ready, Kay. Okay, you, so... You, you know I don't do well with uh, with mystery surprises because I want to go, uh, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. So to lead in... I will need your help with the opening on the next one because I've only seen the source material for it once. You've seen it a couple of times. And I'm going to start out by saying that Frank Wildhorn did this show too. Really? Yes. And which is why I'm not as worried about it, but I'm still a little worried. It's also not in English. 
So, but it wasn't really, like, the songs were written in English first, and he did a demo of it, and then it was taken to the country that the source material is from and translated for them first. It is, as far as I know, they have not put it on in the U.S. yet. I may be wrong. Um... But the song, we do have subtitles and the songs are dubbed over in English. Okay. It's going to be in Japanese. (laughs) That's kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. So, Um, wow. You know what? I'm going to tell you what I thought that this was going to be just from the context of the the few clues you gave me. Are you sure that you don't want me to show you first? Okay. Go ahead. Go and show me first. (laughs) Were you expecting that? No, that is not what I was expecting. What were you expecting? I thought, so based on the context you had given me, you're like, oh, this is something you are familiar with. I know it's something you do like. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, spoopy month, spoopy month. What could it be? I was thinking that you were going to find Beetlejuice, the musical. Sadly, no. That's okay. That's okay. This is awesome. So what it is, <laughs> Kay, you say? Kay found Death Note. So Death Note, if, if, if you're an anime fan or a manga fan, you've probably heard of Death Note. I had no idea that there was a Death Note musical, mm-hmm. and that's awesome that Frank Wildhorn did it. I have known about this since before we started our show. Really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> and I have been sitting here going, I can't tell him because we've got this plan for a podcast, and I want to save this for when we've done a frank wildhorn musical so you're familiar with his music you know you know the k is so much better at keeping things secret than i am (laughs) i'm not good at it i'm not good at it at all if i'm excited about something uh, i i can't not tell her like it it, Mm -hmm. trying to do surprises for k is really hard because one, we're together all the time. And two, I'm really bad at not being excited if I have something. Mm-hmm. So I applaud you for being able to... I have kept this uh, tamped down since, I want to say, November of last year. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, so right around when we started planning to do yes. the podcast. Nice. <laughs> I'm excited. So I am too. And I'm really hoping that you... I, I'm hoping that it's good. I haven't seen too much negative about it. The most negative that I've seen in the comments on YouTube are people wanting it to be a full sub instead of it being a sub with the dubbed in English singing. But, you know, I- I'll take what we yeah, can I'll get we can from get. musicals. So the so the dialogue of the musical will be in subtitles. Will mm-hmm. ja- will be spoken in Japanese, but it'll have English subtitles. And then the songs will be dubbed in English? Yes. And it'll be, I believe, from the New York demo. That they did. So hey, even if the songs were in Japanese, as long as they had subtitles, I'd yeah. be fine. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I mean, I've watched lots of anime, and there's plenty of yeah, stuff that's just in subtitles. I would love to see this fully in Japanese. I just couldn't find that's okay a good copy that was Thank both. You. And I've been praying. I've been very worried that it would get taken down. So I've been sitting here going, "Don't you dare fucking get taken down, <laughs> YouTube! Don't you fucking dare! Don't you fucking dare!" You know, well, the thing is, is that um. Uh, one thing I've learned is that America's copyrights are the strictest mm-hmm. globally. Japan has very loose copyrights. Yeah. That's probably why it hasn't been taken down. Japan has very loose copyrights. I think that their mentality is like, oh, if people are enjoying it, that's great. Yeah. Whereas is America's like, what? We're not making money? Mm-hmm. Fucking ban that shit. Yeah. Like- so I'm I'm really happy that we get to see this 
because I wasn't sure if we would be able to at first. So that's why at first I didn't tell you. And then I was like, okay, I found it. And so every so often I would check to make sure that it still was there. Nice. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm I am excited. too. So sweet. Because I, I like Death Note. I think that it is a great um, relationship test. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you can tell a lot about a person by what they think about the main character. Sure. Should we cover this in the Death Note I believe so, We'll, we'll, yeah. go into, we'll so talk about it. We'll, we'll have another show where the best intentions uh, pave the road to hell. Yes. There's a lot of path paving in that show. Yeah, just like in, in this anime. show. Just nice. like in Jekyll and Hyde. So I'm it all excited. ties together. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for joining us for our first episode of Spoopy Month. And we it's got the best month. We got four more spoopy month episodes because yes. there's five Wednesdays in this year's October. So, yeah, it's the best month of the year for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but thank you so, all so much for joining yeah, us. Thank and, you. And, uh, if you if you enjoyed the show, please you know give us a rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, uh, Podchaser. Um, if you want to reach out to Kay and I, you can chat with us on uh, our Discord channel on the podcast junkie discord yep. uh we have our own channel there and uh we're often off topic but just hanging out and, and talking about whatever and and we'll post pictures of our dogs sometimes yes, sometimes pictures, pictures of, of uh steven the cat that every so often comes and hangs out with us so mm -hmm. yes demands attention when we want to record yep uh <laughs> and uh yeah just thank you guys so much yeah and thank oh, you oh, and we have our new website that Kay built that's uh tonedeafmusical.com mm -hmm. And you can also uh, follow us on Twitter at Tone Deaf, at, at Tone Deaf Musical. You can email us, Tone Deaf Musical at Gmail. Uh, we're on Facebook, Tone Deaf Musical. Um, yeah, just thank you guys so much. Uh, if you want to go above and beyond, uh, we do have a Patreon, which is Tone Deaf Musical on Patreon. And we have a new bonus episode up that's the Skittles commercial musical. And uh, at some point, I kind of want to get together some of the bloopers that I have kept and maybe <laughs> throw those together for patrons because that could be pretty funny. Yeah, there are some bloopers. I usually am not good at keeping them because <laughs> I go kind of Kubrickian with my editing, but you <laughs> never. So, but, um, you know, and if you're, if you're listening out there and you're like, Hey, I really enjoy your show, but you know, funds are tight. Hey, that's the world we live in. That's fine. You know, if you want to share our show with uh, friends or family who you who also like theater or just like listening to an idiot make uh, bad reviews of, <laughs> of good theater shows, you know, word of mouth is the number one way to uh, help indie podcasts grow. Yeah. And we very much appreciate any support you want to give us. So. Absolutely. And um, we do highly recommend that you check out the Podcast Junkie Discord server as well. Because there are some amazing shows on there. Uh, there's Sage and Savant. There's Pomegranates and Pitchforks, who we absolutely adore. Uh, there's Private Island Presents Up All Night. Uh, Girl in Space, which I, I can't wait yeah. for season two of that. Yeah, <laughs> Kay and I, Kay and I, uh, it's, it's funny how mediums change because audio dramas on the radio used to be the thing. Mm -hmm. And then... TV killed the radio star, mm -hmm. and uh, then now, podcasting took TV yeah. behind an alley and just and now hided with, it. And now, with, yeah, <laughs> and now with the uh, the 
you know, rapid growth of podcasts, um, audio dramas are coming back. And, mm-hmm. uh, and hey, y'all should check them out. They're, they're really good. Um, mm-hmm. The ones I like to plug, uh, Girl in Space, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Ninth World Ju- uh, Ninth World Journal, mm-hmm. uh, Sage and Savant, and also Oz9. Those are the ones that I have personally listened to. Uh, Kay and I are currently still working on catching up on Sage and Savant. Yes. Uh, but yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just great, and um, you can talk with all of the people who work on those uh, podcasts on the Podcast Junkie Discord server. and They're available and they're all awesome people. Yeah, they're amazing people. And uh, Podcast Junkie, uh, the podcast, the creator of it, Zach Ald, um, is the one who created this server. And he's freaking amazing. And you should listen to his podcast too, which is Podcast Junkie. So... Yeah. You, you know, uh, not to anger the uh, the god of the channel, but he he his is one I have yet to listen to. There's just so many out there. There are a ton of podcasts. Holy smokes, it's awesome. I mean, <laughs> I I tend to to ask my buddy Ruck for some recommendations. Yes. So yeah, you should also follow Ruckland on Twitter because he has his finger on the pulse of uh, of podcasts. He's the real Ruck. Yes. On there, so uh, we we often will retweet him from our podcast so yeah <laughs> so yeah um anyway i i could gush about these folks forever but it is time for us to uh prepare for the rest of the evening yep we gotta wipe, so. wipe that salty bitter taste out of our oh, mouth god oh stand erect and firm and Jesus Christ. carry on with our day <laughs> oh hey you started this i'm just gonna beat it to death i'm just gonna i'm just gonna beat that joke i'm gonna I'm going to beat this joke furiously. <laughs> That's it for this week. I'm Kate. I'm Warren. This has been Tone Deaf. Deaf.